0: wanted to do more than that, but if you get past verse 10, verses 11 through 27 are a nice point, and we hate to break that up there. So we're just going to do verses 1 through 10 this morning, and the story of Zacchaeus. I'm sure this is a story you've all heard numerous times since we were kids in Sunday school, and it's a great story. We're going to read the first 10 verses, then come back and break it down here. Verse 1 of Luke 19, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a certain man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He sought to see Jesus who was, see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with the man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Now, I absolutely love this story, but I'm going to be honest with you, a little behind the scenes, you have no idea how difficult it is to read that story and not sing the song as you're going through it. With that being said, great story here. Now I gotta be honest, let's just take this verse by verse. First thing that I noticed as going through this is I wondered, I looked at verse 1. Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. I always find it fascinating. When God specifically says a town or a place that he went to minister to, and I'm always thinking, Lord, why? Why are you mentioning specifically that this was Jericho? So I went back and I did some studying on Jericho, and you're trying to find out the why question. Then it kind of hit me. Jericho is a place of unexpected salvation. Who else got saved at Jericho? Rahab. Rahab, the harlot, the prostitute. She was the one at Jericho, and if you would pick somebody to be saved, you wouldn't pick Rahab, the woman with the past. But yet she was saved, and she's now in the lineage of Jesus. If you're going to pick someone to get saved, you wouldn't pick Zacchaeus. He's already got two strikes against him. Verse 2, chief tax collector, and he's rich. Now, chief tax collector. Now, the way this worked back during Bible times is he was responsible of all the tax collectors, and tax collectors were despised and hated, because the way it worked is they had a quota that they had to bring in. Anything that they brought in over that quota was what they got to keep themselves. So, therefore, Zacchaeus being rich, what does it show? He brought a lot of money in over his quota. He was using a lot of people, taken from a lot of things. Jericho, a place of unexpected salvation. No one would have thought Rahab the prostitute would get in. No one would have thought Zacchaeus would get in. But I tell you this, when you stand before God and you're entered into heaven through Christ, guess what? Rahab will be up there in heaven with you. Zacchaeus will be up there in heaven with you. What a wonderful blessing it is to see these unexpected salvations. And to be honest, some people sitting here this morning are an unexpected salvation. And that's what God's grace and mercy does, and that's the neat thing about it. So we already said verse 2, he has two strikes against him. The Jews hated Rome. These tax collectors represented Roman oppression. This guy is just hated all around. Completely hated all around. But, verse 3, he has a desire to see Jesus. Now that word there in verse 3, my new king James says, and he sought to see Jesus. Some of your translation says he wanted to see Jesus. He tried to get a look at Jesus. I don't think those are a strong enough wording. Sought is a great word. It literally means to seek, to search out. This guy really wanted to see Christ. But there was a limitation. There was a block. There was a wall. What was the block or wall, verse 3? Short stature. I try not to take that personally, but it's there. Short stature. There's a block. There's a wall there that kept him from doing that. Now stop and think for a second. I think for all of us, to go deeper in our walks with Christ, there's a block. There's a wall. There's something that keeps you from going deeper in your walk in relationship with the Lord. And that's something that you need to work through. For Zacchaeus, short stature. But this is a deeper spiritual thing here. Him being short... That really wasn't the issue. Did he have the desire to do it? Now, I do look at the short thing, and I do think God does love short people. Because I stopped and I looked at all the people that are tall in the Bible. Think about this. Saul, King Saul in the Bible was mentioned being a head taller than everybody. King Saul didn't work out real well. Goliath was tall. Didn't work out well with him. I think we can make a biblical point. Short people go to heaven. Tall people, we'll talk about that another Sunday. The point is, there was something that kept him from going deeper. And he had to work through that. There's a block, there's a wall, there's a limitation. I don't know what that is for you because every single person, it's different. Sometimes it's your past. It's hard to move past the past. And that keeps you from going deeper in the Lord. Sometimes it's a physical problem. Sometimes it's a spiritual, it's bitterness, it's unforgiveness. I don't know what it is. But you desire to go deeper in your walk in relationship with the Lord. But as you desire to go deeper, you keep running into the same problem. Well, Zacchaeus had that same problem, and he had to fight through that. And how did he fight through that? Verse 4, he climbed a tree. Now stop and think about this for a second. This is a grown man. This is a man of position. He is a chief tax collector. He is out there climbing a tree. If you could jump back 2,000 years ago and see this, here's this huge crowd of people. Jesus is coming down, and here's Zacchaeus. This short little guy, chief tax collector, climbing a tree. See, you have to be willing to humble yourself if you really want to go deeper in your walking relationship with the Lord. See, the problem is sometimes we're not willing to humble ourselves. There's a wall, there's a block that keeps us from going deeper in our relationship with Christ and God wants to give us the power to get through it. Do we ask for prayer for it? No. Do we ask for help? Do we ask for encouragement? No. We're not willing to humble ourselves and climb that tree. Well, if you really want to go deeper with the Lord, there has to be a humbleness that happens in your life. Or sometimes you need to say to your brothers and sisters and Lord, I need help. I need prayer. I need accountability. I need help with scriptures. I need this. I want this. And this is a wall that keeps me from going deeper. I don't know what tree is in your life that you need to climb. But don't allow pride to keep you from becoming the man or woman of God that God has called you to be you want to go deeper, then let's go deeper. Think about this. Put this together. Zacchaeus was seeking the Lord. He was willing to work through those blocks and limitations. And he was willing to humble himself. Those are three attributes that will take you deeper in your walk in relationship with the Lord. So often we run into situations out here at church where people will call me up and say, hey, fill in the blank, I got a cousin that really wants to know more about God. This cousin is just brimming to know more about the Lord. Can you call them? Okay, fine. I'll call them. Give me their numbers. I call them. I get this cousin on the phone and say, Hey, this is Pastor James so-and-so from church said to give you a call. Sounds like you got a lot of questions about the Lord. What can we do to help? Yeah, yeah, I've been thinking about it. Well, you know, we'd love to have you come out sometime. Maybe we can get together, grab a bite or something like that. Yeah, maybe we can. I don't know if they're seeking as much as they think they're seeking. I don't know if they're putting the effort into it as much as they think they're putting the effort into it. I had a friend years ago. And this friend was a very close friend. We wanted him to know the Lord, and so Dawn and I did everything we absolutely could to make him go deeper in his relationship to Christ. I've shared this story before, that we would call him up. Church would start at 10, and so I would say, Hey, I'm going to pick you up at 945. So I would call him, and if he wouldn't answer, I would just show up at his house. I would just lay on the horn. I would knock on the door. I would get him out of bed, and he would say, Well, it's going to take me a while to get ready. I said, That's fine. We'll be late. I'm going to take you and make you love Jesus. Now, after a while, I realized there was no fruit coming out of this. So we just completely backed off. And wouldn't you know it, this person on his own accord started getting up and going to church. This person on their own accord started reading and studying and now has a walking relationship with the Lord. Here's the thing. You want to go deeper with your walk with the Lord? Hey, set an alarm to get up on Sunday mornings. You want to go deeper with your walk with the Lord? Go. Do it. Now, there's limitations, there's blocks in your life, just like there are in my life. I understand that, you understand that. But if we are seeking the Lord, as it says right there in verse 3, He sought to see Jesus. There's always going to be something or someone that's going to hinder you. And you know what? You've got to humble yourself, climb that tree, and say, Lord, I'm not going to allow anything to keep me from going deeper in my walk and relationship with Christ. Can you imagine how different this story would be if at the end of verse 3... It says in verse 3, he sought to see Jesus, who, what, do you see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he of short stature. So can you imagine verse 4 said, so he went home. No. So he ran ahead, humbled himself, he's climbing a tree, and he wants to see Christ. Seeking, humbling, working through limitations. God gives you the power to do all three. If you truly want to know the Lord, you can know the Lord. Now, what's Christ's response to this? Verse 5, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to go eat with you. Wow, what a blessing. What, what, what wonderful timing. Jesus says, I'm going to go spend the day at your house. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, it's out of 2 Corinthians 6, it says, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. I heard a great teaching this week on the radio by Greg Laurie, and he said, the most dangerous place to be is a church. Because if you come to church and you hear the gospel message being presented, or even if you're saved and you hear the truth being presented and you ignore it and walk out and say, I don't need that, your heart becomes harder and harder and harder. It's a dangerous spot to be. Can you imagine if Zacchaeus' response in verse 5 was, Boy, Jesus, today's not a good day. Catch me the next time you come through Jericho. Now, today is the day of salvation. Because you don't know when those days are going to pop up again. And how many opportunities have we missed and have we lost because we did not take advantage of that day when it presented itself. That truth was being presented then. So, Lord, I want a healing now in my relationship with you. That truth is being presented then. Lord, I want to go deeper with you now. We want that. Because you don't know when those days are going to pop up. Quick story. Happened this last week. I was out in the kitchen table at our house doing devotions. And our uh, third son, Kenan, just turned five, came to me. And he came out there and it was just one of those God moments. It was just him and I at the dining room table. And Kenan says, Dad, what's it mean to be born again? Ah, this is great. Explain to him what born again meant. Explain to him heaven and salvation. And so we talked about the only way to get to heaven is through Jesus and forgiveness of sins. We went through the whole thing. And I said, Kenan, do you want to be born again? And he said, yeah. I said, let's pray right now. So right there at the dining room table we prayed. And Kenan accepted Christ right there at the dining room table. You haven't heard the rest of the story yet. So once again, I wish we could stop right there. Kenan comes up to me the next day. And he brings his Bible. He says, Dad, now that I'm born again, will you read the Bible with me? I said, not right now. I said, I, buddy, I got something going on right now. It's pretty busy. I said, let me let me get through this and I'll, I'll get to you. Okay. Comes back the next day. Brings his Bible. Says, Dad, can you, you read the Bible with me now? I said, buddy, I said I got stuff going on today. I'm really sorry. When I get back, we'll do it. So the third day, we sat down we're doing the family devotions at the dining room table. And we're going through Joshua. And it's the verse in Joshua it says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So we talked about what does it mean to serve the Lord. And I went through each of the kids. And I say, everybody think of one way that we as a family can serve the Lord. Layden's one, who's three, says he wants to serve the Lord by not hitting people. And I thought, well, that's, that's honest. So we go through, get to Kenan. And he goes, I want to serve the Lord by reading the Bible every day. And I said, I think that's wonderful, Ken, that's great. And he looked at me and he goes, but Dad, I asked you two days in a row and you wouldn't do it. Wow. Right then, just write the letter of resignation. I give up, I quit. Man, and you stop and you think, what did I miss? I mean, seriously, I had a kid come to me with the Bible in hand saying, will you read the Bible to me? And I look at this opportunity with said, I said, Ken, we're going to do it right now. We're going to start doing this every day. And I said, Don't you guys ever be afraid to come up and remind me to ever do that. And I look at this opportunity with Zacchaeus. What would have happened if Zacchaeus just would have simply said, Jesus, not today. Busy day. I got to work a double shift. I got a lot of stuff going on. These taxes won't collect themselves. Opportunity comes. We need to take that opportunity to grow and go deeper, to seek, to work through those roadblocks, to be humble. We need to do that. Look at this wording here. Verse 4, he ran ahead. He's excited. Verse 5, Jesus said, make haste. Now, I guess when we think of Jesus, we always think of Jesus as being very formal. I see Jesus saying, make haste. Really, in the original language, Jesus is saying, hurry up. Zacchaeus, hurry up. Get down from the tree. Let's go. So what does Zacchaeus do? Verse 6, well, my new king James says, he made haste. He hurried up. He ran home. Boy, Lord, give us that excitement to run to spend time with you. To to grow in you. To go deeper in you. To work through those roadblocks. And guess what the result of all this is in verse 6? Joy. The result of this is joy. Now, we've shared this teaching point before, but it bears repeating. There's a huge difference between joy and happiness. We have to talk about this for a second here. And I know some of you have heard this before, so bear with me. I heard a pastor say one time, someone came up to him and said, Are you happy in your marriage? And that pastor said, No, I'm not. I'm not happy in my marriage. I'm not happy in being a pastor. I'm not happy in life. Then he said, I have moments of happiness in my marriage. I have moments of happiness in my job as a pastor. He goes, But I'm joyful in my marriage all the time. And I'm joyful in being a pastor all the time. And I'm joyful in my life. Happiness is temporary. Temporary. The way we do things at the Urban House is is for the five boys, their, their birthdays are spread out seasonally. We have one in December, and then we have one in March, then one in June, one in September. And Tyrus was born in April, and he's too little to understand. Soon as we get done with one birthday, we start counting down to the next. So we have about a 90 day countdown in between birthdays. And it's these 90 days of building up of happiness and happiness. They have their birthday, and it's happy, and guess what happens the next day? It's all done. Not too many people get excited about December 26th. It's all done. Happiness is temporary, it's momentary. So, have I had moments of happiness in my marriage? You bet. Dawn and I are going to be married 17 years, and I love her. I've also had moments of unhappiness in my marriage as well. But I am joyfully married to her all the time. I love being a pastor. Some of the happiest moments in my life have come being a pastor. Some of the unhappiest moments in my life have become being a pastor. So I think it's important here that we understand the difference. If you look at your life right now and say, my life, I don't feel very happy. Well, maybe you don't. There's moments in my life I don't feel very happy. But there's a joyful underlying foundation of when you know Christ. Christ is a joy through whatever circumstance or situation you're facing in life. We use this example all the time out here. Why do we worship God? We worship God just because He's God. Why are we joyful? Because we have salvation. We have Jesus. We have heaven. So Zacchaeus has joy. And why does he have joy? He has joy because now he has Jesus. And that brings him joy. But guess what? Every time you have joy, guess what there's going to be? Verse 7, there's going to be those people. Those people, verse 7, when they saw it, they all complained. They all murmured. They all grumbled, saying he's going to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Well, first off, aren't you thankful that Jesus wants to eat with sinners? Amen to that. But look at verse 7 here. They all complained. It reminds me of what we talked about last week. Stay in Luke and just jump back one chapter. Look at Luke 18, verse 39. When the blind man wanted to see Jesus, what happened? Then those who went before him warned him that he should be quiet. So we just talked about last week. As you want to go deeper in your walk with Christ, there's always going to be people telling you to be quiet. As you try to go deeper in your relationship with the Lord, verse 7, there's always going to be somebody that murmurs and grumbles and complains about you. Always. Always. We have a little rule out here at church. We call it the one-third rule. No matter what we do as a church, one-third of you will love it, one-third of you will hate it, and one-third of you will not even care. I could just quit being a pastor and one-third of you would never even notice. It's just that's just what happens. So, no matter what choice you make in life, there's going to be somebody, verse 7, that murmurs, grumbles, and complains. Always. And this is what I've noticed. Too many Christians allow too many people to dictate their joy. Do not allow your joy to be dictated by somebody else. Well, I'm really excited and happy and joyful about this, but so-and-so doesn't like it. Well, who cares? If you're walking in the Lord and in the Spirit, and that's where the Lord has called you, then you'll be joyful in God's calling. So Zacchaeus, people didn't like the chief tax collector getting the attention of Jesus. Who cares? He was going deeper with his relationship with the Lord, and Zacchaeus is not going to allow someone else's opinion of their joy to dictate it. You're not allowed to do that. Your joy is based in Christ and Christ alone. That is why it's called a personal relationship with Jesus. It's because you have that personally with Christ. Now look at the changed life that happens. Verse 8. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore full for, Four, full Now according to the law, we only have to do a fifth. So this guy here is doing a lot more than that. What a blessing. His life has been changed. Now, jump if you will to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's talk about a changed life in Christ. 1 Corinthians 6. It's important to note that Zacchaeus is not doing this restoring people, giving things away to earn salvation. He has already been walking with the Lord here. So therefore, since he has been changed in Christ, he now wants things to be different. Do not look at this passage as some type of works-based thing. The more I do, the more God is happy with me. No, that's the beautiful picture of grace, is God just loves you. And so therefore, since Zacchaeus has been touched by Christ, he now wants his life to be different. 1 Corinthians 6, please. This is what happens sometimes. I run into people that say... They've been touched by the Lord, and they say they made a confession of Christ, but their life hasn't changed. I want to be careful about this. It'll be 20 years this fall that I've been saved. I still struggle with things I struggled with 20 years ago, okay? But I would hope that when we look at ourselves in the spiritual mirror of life, that the old James and the new James, they don't even compare. I would hope that the way you acted, the way you dressed, the way you talked, and how you lived your life before you knew Christ is now completely different than after you know Christ. Because if not, what exactly did Jesus save you from? That's salvation. Jesus saves you from our sins. So therefore, if my life isn't changing, I have to stop and say, Well, did Jesus ever save me from anything? It's not works based. I want to make sure you know that. But my life should be different because of walking with the Lord. Look here at 1 Corinthians 6, look at verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, as, as Christians, verses 9 and 10, the world always knows what we stand against. We know those verses. We can make a list of every awful thing that people always do, and this is a horrible list of all the bad people in the world, and we know these verses like the back of our hand. Okay, but look at verse 11. And such were some of you. See, that's what we used to be. So, before we start attacking people, we also have to stop and realize, wow, look what Jesus did for me. And look what he did, verse 11. You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Let's not forget what Christ pulled us out of. Once again, verses 9 and 10. We know, the world knows what we stand against. But verse 11, does the world know what we stand for? Being washed and sanctified and justified in Jesus. How beautiful that is. See, let's not forget that. So Zacchaeus gets saved, and now he wants to give away half of his possessions. That's a changed life in Christ. That's a heart that's been touched by the Lord that does not want the old lifestyle to continue. He wants things to be different. So as he wants things to be different... He now has a different life, not by his own works, not by his own power, but by God working in him. Jump back, if we will, to Luke 19. See, we've talked about Zacchaeus here. And we talked about how we are Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. We have limitations that we need to work through through the Lord. We should be seeking the Lord. We need to humble ourselves to go deeper in our walk with Christ. And as we have met Christ, we now walk in joy. And we also, verse 8, our lifestyle gets changed. And we don't allow, verse 7, people to dictate our joy. We're Zacchaeus. But now let's flip this around for a second. Because sometimes you need to go find a Zacchaeus to minister too. See, you may have Zacchaeus as where you work. The people that no one really wants to hang around with or be near. Maybe God is telling you, go search out that Zacchaeus. Maybe you have somebody at school. Maybe you have somebody in your family that is the Zacchaeus. No one wants to be around. No one really likes. And so Zacchaeus is kind of stuck off to the side. And God is calling you. Just like Jesus went to Zacchaeus and said, I want to spend time with you. You go to them and say, I want to spend time with you. Be a picture of Christ to them. I can remember... Years ago, when I was back in high school, I can remember uh, a Jim Crager coming into the cafeteria. And I can remember him having this tray in his hand. And for some of you that went to DH may remember this. You can remember him scanning the cafeteria. Just looking to see who he would sit with. And I can remember him coming over. And I can remember distinctly him coming over to my table certain times and sitting down with us. And just sitting down and starting up a conversation and just seeing where the Lord took it and just would just be that Then I can remember coming out here to harvest and and Jim was the pastor. And I remember him one time teaching and he may not remember this but he taught on the story of Zacchaeus. And I remember him saying that what he likes to do is go into the cafeteria and look for the Zacchaeuses. The people that maybe the world has rejected maybe the people that the world doesn't really want and that he wants to go be a picture of Jesus and go sit down with them and eat with them and get to know them. Beautiful picture. Then I thought he ate with me a lot. And then I, I said, well, wait, wait a second here. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm putting two and two together, and it's, I'm not liking what it adds up to. I'm thankful for people like that that want to go spend time with Zacchaeus, because Zacchaeus needs you. Now, I, I go out to eat a lot with a lot of you guys. Please don't think the next time we say, hey, you want to go grab a bite that James thinks I'm a Zacchaeus. I'm not saying that. There are times, though, where you go into a room and you see a group of people and there's that one person. And you know what I'm talking about. And the Lord says, go. Go. Lord, it's so difficult to talk to them. It's awkward. It's, it's hard. It's, it doesn't go well. It just, okay, quit making excuses and go. Go. That's Jesus searching out. See, this is the beautiful picture about this. Look at verse 9. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So this is where it's interesting. Verse 3. It says, And he sought to see who Jesus was. That word sought in the Greek is the same word as you see in verse 10, where it says the Son of Man came to seek. So, same word. Basically, the effort that Zacchaeus was putting into meeting Jesus, Jesus was putting the same effort into meeting Zacchaeus. Now, I like that. Because as much as I want to know Christ, Christ also wants to know me. It says in the book of James, draw near to God and he draws near to you. There's a beautiful picture here of us being Zacchaeus, seeking out Christ to go deeper. But there's also a beautiful picture of Christ seeking us out and loving us. So sometimes I'm Zacchaeus. I need to humble myself. I need to seek the Lord. I need to work through those walls in my marriage and my walk with Christ and life through God's power and say, Lord, I want to humble myself. I'll climb that tree to know you better. But there's also the other times where I'm Jesus seeking out the Zacchaeuses of this world saying, that person needs to know the love of Christ and I'm going to go get in that person's life and lovingly know them. Just like Jesus decided to spend time with me. Because today is the day of salvation. Today is the day for me to go deeper in my relationship with Christ. And today is the day to encourage somebody to go deeper in the relationship with Christ. Let's finish this up. Can you go to Matthew 7 please? Matthew 7. Too often I see Christians walking in this defeatist mentality. This victim mentality where woe is me, life is difficult, Zacchaeus had that roadblock he needed to work through. I have roadblock after roadblock. I knock one wall down and there's another wall and another wall. As you guys are going to Matthew 7. Instead of then continually to seek the Lord, we just give up. What point does prayer make? What difference does it do? And we just give up. There's this defeatist mentality. And I remember that great passage in Romans where Paul wrote that you're more than a conqueror. ...in Christ Jesus. It's difficult to be a Christian. It is really difficult to be a Christian. Look here at Matthew 7, verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. There are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life... ...and there are few who find it. We've joked out here before, I don't know who's in charge... ...of the PR campaign for the Bible. But these are not the verses to ever quote... It just, it, this is not a great selling point. You want to be a Christian? Great. Verse 14. It's difficult, and it's hard, and it's narrow. But isn't that also true? Do you realize as soon as you claim to be a Christian, think about what happens. As soon as you claim Christ, you are now saying that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. Which means you just offended about 2 billion people in the world. Anybody who does not believe that Jesus is the only way, be it the Muslims, the Hindus, etc., you just offended them. So right there, you already got half the world against you. If you claim to be a Christian and you said that I'm going to live my life according to the moral standards of the Bible, you are now the moral minority in the United States. Because people don't agree with us on many different issues here. It is narrow and difficult to be a Christian. It really is. And I think what happens sometimes as believers, we make a stand for Christ and then we wonder, why is this difficult? Jesus never promised it would be easy, but he promised he'd give us the strength and the power to get through it. Our home is heaven. That's what we wait for. You know, last week we had baptism. It was a wonderful time. And if I remember correctly, I believe there was eight souls that came forward to get baptized. And one of the things they always talk about baptism is they're putting a huge bullseye on their back. As soon as you make that public stance for the Lord, that public stance for Christ, you're just asking for trouble. We need to pray for them. We need to pray for each other because it is a narrow, difficult road. It is. But yet... The end result, just like with Zacchaeus, it's joy. The end result, just like Rahab and Zacchaeus, is knowing God personally. See, Paul had this great comment, and I believe it was in Corinthians, where he says, The trials I face now do not compare to the joy that I will experience later. And when you look at it from that perspective, this is a narrow, difficult path right now. It's hard to be morally strong and spiritually strong in a falling apart world. It's hard to say that I want to raise my family in a godly way as for me and my house we will serve the Lord. It is difficult and it's easier to give up sometimes than it is to keep fighting. But, just like we learned with Zacchaeus, those limitations, those roadblocks, they don't stop us. We climb the tree, we seek out Jesus, Jesus seeks us out. We dine with Him, we fellowship with Him, and we walk away from Christ stronger and in joy, and God gets us through it. What a beautiful picture that is. Marv, if we come forward here for the final song. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you now. I pray that as Zacchaeus, that we would seek you out. Lord, whatever is in our life right now that is hindering us from going deeper in you, that, Lord, you would give us the strength to work through that. Lord, thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy, and your patience with us as we live for you. But Lord, help us also to be Jesus to the Zacchaeuses we run into, those people that need to know you personally. Help us, Lord, to show them love in the name of Jesus. We say thank you for this time, and just take us deeper in you, Lord, in your name. Amen.